welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your Wilson Contreras is a cardinal, and I literally cannot right now home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. Danny is still celebrating his nuptials down in Mexico. Congratulations to him and Nicole. I cannot wait to celebrate with both of you when you get back. But fear not, listeners. I have a dear friend from the Away Games podcast, Kevin McCaffrey, who is a comedian and a Cubs fan and is going to help us get through the craziness that was winter meetings. Kevin, how's it going? Oh, I'm fine. I'm, uh, you know, it's been nice to actually have some things tangibly happen in baseball and cub land this week. So that's been fun. It's been like a better reason to be on Twitter for the most part, even though the outcomes aren't entirely. One of the outcomes was horrific personally for me emotionally and as a baseball fan. But uh, also it's just it is nice to technically have things happening, you know? Yeah, let's start with that horrific outcome. And I want to run a couple of things by you on this. So I live in the greater Chicago land. That means I get marquee Mm -hmm. sports network. And so, you know, I was watching Wilson Contreras coverage on MLB network all day. They were talking about what a great fit he was with the Cardinals, how impressive it was that the Cardinals were going to like have him come in and step in for Yanni Molina, how affordable the deal was $17.5 million for five years for one of the best bats in baseball and definitely one of the best bats as a catcher in baseball. I listened to the Cubs 360 show. They don't mention Wilson Contreras's name for 11 minutes on Marquee <laughs> Sports Network. They spend 30 seconds, go immediately to commercial. They then spend, and admittedly, like a bunch of time on Pat Hughes and the Frick Award, which like, yes, Pat Hughes going to the Hall of Fame is a huge deal. I'm going to try to get to Cooperstown to celebrate that with him as well. But then again, almost nothing about Wilson Contreras. They spend like eight minutes on Mark DeRosa coaching the World Baseball Classic oh, team. God. I, and yeah. just cannot mention... That their best player last year and one of the last remaining members of the World Series core, who is one of the best, if not the best hitting catcher in baseball, is going to the St. Louis Cardinals on an eminently affordable deal because the Cubs clearly have some problem with him that they are not telling the rest of us. Kevin, I'm livid. What about you? Yeah, yeah I, I'm I, I think experience it, it's I'm both mad and also feel like I'm going insane and I don't know how much of that is from as you say watching coverage like this and then also like being on Twitter probably too much and watching people sort of talk themselves out of Wilson Contreras' value in every way when to me it's like I look at it and yeah of course part of this is emotional for me and I'm a fan who likes to root for human beings and feel good about rooting for human beings I definitely don't root for money and I definitely don't root for uh, ownership as a rule. Like I, I tend to root for guys that I know and like and who have done things for my team. But also, so of course, there's the emotional element to all of it. But then looking at what the Cubs are doing this offseason, uh, which we, you know, obviously we heard about the checkbook being opened, which how embarrassing is it to be a team of this size and to have to make news that you're going to spend money? That should be the default <laughs> at all times. It is uh, it is genuinely embarrassing. But looking at this and looking at there's no offense on this team last year and they're losing the best offensive player in a way that like. I I get part of why I feel like I'm going insane is like watching everyone suddenly turn into experts about things that cannot be represented by public numbers about catching. Like everyone on Twitter is like, well, of course, you know, it's the soft factors. It's the this and the that. No one knows what they're talking about. What I do know is the totality of the value that that player brought is not replaced yet. Like the team is not better in this moment than they were last year either and he was sitting right there and telling them this whole time he wanted to stay like so many of the other good players that other smart contending teams have found value in your Rizzo's etc you know 
uh, yeah, it's 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 a real bummer. And uh, I, I think the only reason I'm not screaming louder about it is because they've just squeezed the life out of me uh, over the last year. I, I think you're right about people trying to talk themselves out of uh, why the or talk themselves into this somehow being a smart thing that like Jed mm-hmm. Hoyer understands baseball at some like 13 dimensional chess level mm-hmm. that the rest of us just cannot possibly grok. Like I am mm-hmm. of the opinion that Jed Hoyer's intelligence for baseball is not a proven commodity at this moment in time. What we know about Jed Hoyer and running teams so far is always as a number two behind Theo Epstein. What we are seeing right now and the very brief stint he had at the Padres where, look, Mm -hmm. he like traded for Anthony Rizzo and that was clearly smart. So like, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that's a bad, like as far as I know, like Jed Hoyer really liked Anthony Rizzo and also traded Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees for pretty much nothing uh, and then failed to sign any players because he feels like he has to do this entire, not a rebuild, yes, a rebuild, maybe a rebuild on its own, proving he's the smartest person in the room. And frankly, I don't know. I, I like, I liked the Saya signing. I like yeah. the Stroman signing. This team is worse than it was at the start of every move Jed Hoyer has made at the start of every season has made the team worse than it was at the start of the season before. The 2020 Cubs were worse than the 2019 Cubs. The 2021 Cubs were worse than the 2020 Cubs. The 2022 Cubs were worse than the 2021 Cubs. And 2023 is not looking good, people. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a a good rundown of it. And I do believe that 23 will ultimately end up being better, probably. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not there yet. And I do think there is a weird thing with Hoyer where he... And I'm I'm saying like Hoyer apologist, like if you're a Hoyer apologist or maybe a Hoyer believer is a better way to put it. It is weird to me that he continually gets credit for being like new. And it's like my man has been a top level executive since the mid 2000s, since like, you know, since Arrested Development, the first run was on television. This guy was a high up executive. So when he makes, you know, uh, whether it's whether it's transactional blunders or even like the the basic stuff about communicating with the world like when he was uh after the main trade deadline where he was coming out afterwards and saying things that were not true about the negotiations with Rizzo and Bryant and stuff and then and Rizzo came out was like man no one's signed there so there's one common factor here and uh you know I thought we were gonna leave it in a good place like he's not new he's been a high-up executive for a very long time, uh, and I don't think he's the worst executive in the league, but I think uh, the last few years have really like just pile-driven the bar beneath the ground for what Cubs fans, fans of a team of this market and financial might, should be expecting. Like, I feel like Hoyer should go somewhere he belongs, like Minnesota or Cincinnati. Like, that is clearly the kind of team that he wants to run and feels comfortable running, you know? And I'm not trying to slander those teams either, but like, he is not a big market top man to this point. And I think we're seeing that with like Crane Kenny today coming out and being like, he's got money. And it's like, well, Okay, like you guys are being pretty public about it then, you know? Yeah, let's talk about the he's got money stuff. I I have a couple of hunches as to where that is coming from. I mean, attendance numbers were down last year. The Cubs have plowed through a season ticket holder wait list that had hundreds of thousands of people on it. And I know this because I joined the season ticket holder Mm -hmm. waiting list like way a long time ago before I ever even lived in Chicago on the off chance that someday I might live in Chicago and then I could get season tickets Mm -hmm. for the Cubs. And I I got my call to get season tickets for the Cubs. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to because it is cheaper for me to just buy the $6 tickets that people are (laughs) reselling on StubHub 
whenever I want to go to a baseball game and as a person who goes to a lot of games by myself to just keep score and watch the game, having two season tickets is just kind of a problem for me. It's not it's not useful. Um, yeah, it's making it turning you into like your own small business in a way that you don't want to be like trying to <laughs> sell off these things and, and and not take a loss. Well, and I would always take a loss. Like I, I yeah. know enough about the market and the team right now that I would always take mm-hmm. a loss. And I am not the only person who has made that calculation that like if you sell these tickets at one of the highest price points in baseball, which the Cubs yeah. do have one of the top five ticket prices in baseball before you calculate it's usually top in. two, right? Yeah. Well, it, it is. They're, they yeah. dropped the season ticket prices like 5% or 10% this year. I can't remember how much. Al right. Yellen over at BCB has a great write-up on mm. the history of fluctuations with ticket prices for season ticket holders and what the actual drop for 2023 is. And, you know, kudos to you for recognizing that after putting a terrible product on the field for two years, you should cut the cost of those tickets. But they are sitting in a situation right now where that stadium attendance was so down at Wrigley Field over the course of 2022. They need to bring people in who want to watch the team. The reason that Tom Ricketts is out there and Crane Kenny is out there saying, you have money, spend it, is so that Jed Hoyer will go out and make a big deal that will encourage fans to come to this baseball park and amusement area that they have built around yeah. Wrigley Field. And at this moment in time, why would fans do that? Right. To see yeah. if Cody Bellinger can have his swing fixed by the Cubs when the Dodgers couldn't do it. Like to see Jamison Tyon, who look, I like Jamison Tyon. He's a nice pitcher. I, I want him good, up. Good He's a solid yeah. number three. Yeah. Just like Marcus Stroman is a solid number three. Just like Kyle Hendricks used to be a solid mm. number three. Just like Hayden Wisniewski is probably an intriguing number three. Just like Justin Steele is an intriguing number three. You have an entire rotation built of number three pitchers. Get an ace. Yeah, it's a lot of, yeah, and you can, yeah, and you can like, you know, depending on, obviously it's like sort of nebulous as as to putting numbers on where guys are in the rotation, but it, it is right now, it feels like a pretty, a, a rotation full of solid, which isn't the worst, but as you say, get an ace. It's, I mean, Jim Deshays was talking about this as before the season was over, where he's like, these. you're looking at this roster and the first thing you need is that number one pitcher probably you know I mean also the offense is bad but like uh, as you say a top of the rotation thing because also when we hear so much about quote-unquote pitching infrastructure and there have been finally after years of hearing about this magical pitch lab which I think amounts to just doing your job uh, as as uh, as as, I don't know people are supposed to develop they, they put a cute brand on it and whatever and we finally did see some results this year of that okay but that that should that should raise your confidence in, as you say, being able to develop guys who get into that two through four sort of zone in your rotation. And the number one spot you have to pay for. You have to pay for or trade for. And they've refused to do that. They refused to do that with like Kevin Gausman was out there last year, who right now, if they had done that, would be on a four year for 88, I think, which you would do that in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? Rodon's still out there right now. And, uh, you know, when we when we complain about the moves Hoyer hasn't made, it's not just right now. It's like these are moves that could have been done last year, too. Like if they gave Correa the 10 for 300, that's equivalent to giving him nine for 270 right now. And would you do that? You sure would, right? You, you would know? because Xander Bogarts just got 11 years for $280 million. The dude is 30. Carlos Correa yeah. is going to get a 10 or 12 year deal for like 360, 380. He is yeah. going to deserve that deal in this market. And I feel like Jed Hoyer is allergic to writing that check. He cannot write that check. 
because he knows the last three or four years of that deal are going to look bad. And he also knows that there's a non-zero chance Carlos Correa's back issues flare up and some of the middle years of that deal look bad. And look, Jed Hoyer, I get it. It's a real tough thing to write that check. I know why that check feels absurd to you. And also write that check because the alternative to writing that check is a 7-175 deal for Dansby Swanson. And I got to tell you, the Dansby Swanson numbers look a lot like Jason Hayward numbers to me. One really promising great season, not terribly certain that the rest is there. Defense that looks good on paper on the outs above average side of things, but frankly, like the range and where those outs above average are occurring, they're all to the right. They're not deep Mm. in the hole. They're not to the left. Like, yeah, the Swanson is the Hayward deal. Oh, the arm yeah. strength. The, the, he is. He has one of the weakest arms at shortstop in baseball. Nico has. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing where I. One thing I was too pessimistic on was coming into the season. I, I did not think Nico was going to be like a major league shortstop same. of a high I caliber. Love it, same. Yes. Yeah. I, like I didn't think that, and I was wrong on that. And, uh, but like, yeah, I think it's getting Swanson, who I would like on the Cubs. It would be fun to have Dansby Swanson on the Cubs, but uh, it is sort of it, it's uh, it's related to exactly what you were just talking about with the starting pitching staff. Like it's you're you're building a team out of threes, right? Like it's sort of like, OK, that's, you know, Dansby Swanson's good. But again, this is not like the Chicago Cubs should be aiming higher than that because we're watching. You just said San Diego and Philadelphia. They're not San Diego is a relatively small market for for baseball uh, for, you know, compared to most of the other markets. But uh, these are markets that are smaller than the Cubs and they are paying bigger like there that should not exist. And also when people say like Ricketts apologists or believers, when they say like, oh, you know, they've spent when it's mattered since the Ricketts have owned the team and I've I manually crunched all these numbers since they've owned it. The payroll averages 10th every year they've owned it counts. They are the 10th highest spending team. And that is embarrassing as the Cubs. And it seems like they have this mentality uh, that is that is of a smaller team, a smaller market, and uh, and that the smaller market move would, I think, like you're saying, it would be the, the Swanson move. You know, like it would be like, he's good. You got to get the biggest. The biggest and best should be here. The Rodons, the, you know, Correa, as far as what's left, even though I prefer the other two guys who've signed. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I- it's- I don't think the Cubs are going to do the Radon deal. I think they should. Uh, yeah. I think Radon is great. Um, I've loved. Yeah. I think the the strikeout stuff he has is outstanding. I, in the absence of Radon deal, I'd be okay with a Senga deal if Me they too. could convince Senga to come here. But I really think that they've gotten themselves to a point where those are the only two options that I'm super intrigued by. And mm-hmm. like, I, I can almost feel like I live five blocks from the Cubs front office building like I, I can almost feel the tension like just emanating <laughs> from the front office building where they're like oh my god we're gonna have to go 11 years and it's it the last three years of this contract are gonna look terrible look Hoyer, you're not gonna be here in 11 years so no, like man just have do, six good years do the bro deal, yeah. do the deal win some baseball games fill the seats and let someone else deal with the fact that you signed a guy to be for $40 million when he's 40. I promise you $40 million is gonna look different in 11 years too so it won't even well, seem that bad when you get to no. that point. And the the only number that should matter, and it's not even fully a real cap, but is the CBT uh, limit. And the Cubs should never be operating. The, yeah, they shouldn't care. And like, that's the only number you can talk me into being like, okay, we'll use this as a loose sort of barrier. They should never not be approaching that number. And that number goes up every year. So when you're locking in the dollars now, like it's, there's going to be more space than it looks like as that number pr- proceeds to go up over time. And 
ultimately the market is the market. You don't it, part of running a team and part of running a front office is being able to foresee where that market is going. And you have the built in advantage of being the Cubs. Most teams don't have that. So like you, you can't as the people running the organization, the, the front office, you cannot act surprised by this market operate in it. And the, it should it should be your playground. Yes, absolutely. Like you have to be able to make a deal in any market. That is your job as the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs. I also I happen to be a Red Sox fan in addition to being the Cubs, a Cubs fan. Mm. And the Bloom Red Sox are the same as the Chicago Cubs. Just like, it's well, weird. I don't know. I guess we're just going to lose Xander Bogarts because the Padres are going to outbid us. You are the Boston Red Sox. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Do you have any? Yeah. I, you should. Yes, you should be ashamed to show your face outside Fenway. And honestly, I sort of feel like if Jed doesn't get a couple of big deals done here, he is not long for this job because the Ricketts will throw him under the bus so fast to fill already those begun. seats again. Yes. Yeah. It's already, I mean, it's over the last like week and a half, it's already begun. And like, I do not enjoy the Ricketts uh, in, in any, if, if in any slice of life or personal quality about these people <laughs> and the way they do things, the content of their character. I hate them for all the reasons, but uh, I, I do understand from their perspective, like if, if they actually have made more money available and it hasn't been used, I would also be frustrated about like getting the blame here. So if that's at all true, I kind of get them shoving him under the bus here a little bit. Uh, but I, I mean, I think it's probably a mix of things because obviously they didn't free up the money when, you know, Theo wanted to go after Bryce Harper back in the day, a real sliding doors moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, I think like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think if if Jed does not make a huge splash now, then I absolutely believe it's like uh, it, there's just nothing to apologize for anymore. Like he's that that's it. It's been too many years of too low a product. And this was supposed to be when the splashes are coming. So it's sort for me, it's sort of like Correa or Ro- Rodon or some wacky trade that we don't know, or it's a failure. Like that's, th- there's really not many options left on the table here. Totally agree. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but on the flip side, we're going to revisit. Sponsors. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's wild, it's right? Exciting. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're going to revisit uh, Wilson Contreras to the Cardinals. We're also going to look at the Bellinger and tie on signings that the Cubs have done that we're supposed to be excited about, I guess, and talk about a new uh, study about the literal baseball and how MLB has been messing around with that. But first, a quick break. And we're back. So, I don't know if you saw this Players Tribune piece that Wilson Contreras wrote. Honestly, fans, like, if you love the Cubs and you love Wilson Contreras, just check it out. You will not be disappointed. Yes, he goes into, like, I'm excited to be a Cardinal. I'm glad they want me here. I I can't fill Yachty's shoes, but I'll do the mm-hmm. best and bring it, bring it every day. Everything about this piece and the accompanying video that he did with it demonstrated all of the things I love about Wilson Contreras. And everybody knows that he's my favorite player. I am yeah. very vocal about that. I cannot understand why the Cubs don't like Wilson Contreras. They've never come out and said what their problem is with him. There's all this speculation that it's defense, it's soft skills, it's this, it's that. All I know is that he's going to their biggest rival and for the next five years. Everything I know about Wilson Contreras says that he's going to absolutely break against the Cubs. He's going to Jose Abreu it against (laughs) the Chicago Cubs. Like three home run games, seven RBI games. Like he is just going to demolish this team. He's going to go absolutely Pujols level Cub killer against the yeah. Chicago Cubs, and we're going to have to watch it at Wrigley Field. What are you thinking about that, Kevin? Because I hate it. 
I yeah, I, I hate that it exists and it never should have. And you know, it seems like the number one thing that will get you let go from the Cubs is if you want to be a Cub and if you want to be a Cub publicly and if you've ever been employed by them before. I mean, you know, when we have Rizzo saying he wanted to go down with the ship at the uh, at the trade deadline and then booting him out, huge embarrassment. That guy never should have gotten out the door. And then Wilson Contreras made it super clear the whole time that he wanted to be here. And even after the trade deadline, he publicly said like. Like he figured, oh, I don't know, maybe we'll talk about stuff now. And there was never any talk about it. So I am someone who I cannot hold anything against him. I will hate watching him beat up the Cubs, the team that I, I he wanted to be on, that we want, you know, that you and I wanted him to be on. Uh, but I like I have no ill will towards any of this at all. And I find it like uh, just pathetic to see people like you know obviously there's the traitor comments and whatever and it's just like as if so as as if these people who were like if if you got fired from your pharmacy job at walgreens if you'd be like no i'm not signing with cvs it's just <laughs> you know i it's it's i have loyalty for some reason even though my employer hated me uh and would not would not let me stay yeah he should go to wherever's giving him the best contract which was obviously the cardinals and i know we don't like Yachty as a fan base and all that. But man, it's hard to say the Cardinals don't value catching, isn't it? Like, who do you think, what organization do you think has a better grasp on catching? I kind of feel like it's been them in recent times. So if they think he's good enough and he doesn't have to be a starter every day, a catcher, like, you know, I think we saw plenty of value there for him being a pretty good second catcher and a DH or right-handed first base platoon, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to bum me out, but like I have no ill will about it. And I thought it was very I thought it was like a classy piece in the Tribune that he that he did. And he should want to just absolutely beat the hell out of the Cubs for the rest of his life. He should. I don't think that's anything him against fans. He's been very clear with his feelings about the Cubs fans. It's, uh, you know, it's because he's a competitor and it's about the organization. Absolutely. I mean, I think your thing about like your employer lets you go and you're not supposed to sign with your rival is, is dead on accurate. The other thing that I want to dig into a little bit here, you know, the Astros were the other team that was rumored to be in on Wilson Contreras. Apparently there was a deal uh, to send Wilson Contreras to the Astros for three years of Jose Urquidy, who would be another like number three starter right, exactly, in the Cubs yeah. system. Like they certainly have a type. Um, but their plan with Wilson Contreras was apparently – yeah, you can catch a bit, but what we really want you to do is to DH, to play a little bit of left field, to like keep that bat in the lineup, all these other types mm -hmm. of things, which frankly, he is a perfectly solid designated hitter. I think he was number, yeah. would have been the fourth best designated hitter in baseball, according to WRC Plus last year. If the Houston Astros and the St. Louis Cardinals, these teams that are so metric driven, see that mm -hmm. type of value in Wilson Contreras, could the Cubs not use a DH? I, this is what I, when I say I feel like I'm going insane, he, he just seemed like such an obvious fit in that exact way. And that would have been something I was giving Hoyer credit for, where it seemed like this year brought out the best in Wilson when he did get to like lighten the catching load a little bit. And when he did get to DH a little bit, that makes so much sense to pair with like, okay, whatever, whatever factors you want defensively out of a catcher. And 
when we saw the Astros, who also signed Abreu, who the Cubs were rumored to be on, were watching all of the offense that was obviously there for the taking that the Cubs need sign with, sorry, smarter organizations. And yes. like I was I was having like a Twitter exchange the other day at Away Games Pod uh, is uh, the Away Games uh, podcast Twitter that, that we use with, uh, with, with a person who I think is relatively knowledgeable. And uh, but I was referring to the Astros as a smarter organization. And the pushback was like, I don't know if we're sure that they're smarter. Uh, because of you know whoever they fired <laughs> recently, and I'm like, man, I don't know. <laughs> they've been they've been in the final four like every year, and uh, they've won a couple World Series. I understand the cheating, but it's hard to say they don't know what they're doing baseball wise. So I, I and there's no reason to give the benefit of the doubt to the Cubs over teams like the Cardinals and Astros. It sucks that they're better than we are at what they do right now. I want that to change, and I feel like Wilson staying would have helped that. So that's the frustration. I, it's so funny that you bring that up. Like, obviously, the Astros and Cardinals are both much smarter than the Cubs. Right now. I'm to pretty sure point, the, Car- yes. the Cardinals figured out a way to get the Rockies to pay them $50 million to take Nolan Arenado, and everybody was like, cool. And I'm just like, yeah. what are we doing right now? Yeah, and that's, and that's <laughs> another thing that people don't talk about is we're allowed to make those deals, too. Like, how were the Cubs not in on that kind of a trade? If it was a money thing, we have the money. That sh- that's where you use your financial might. It's not just free agent signings. It's things like It's things like that, you know? I think that the Rockies did actually reach out to the Cubs at one point about a Nolan Arenado for Chris Bryant swap. And we like, saw rumors wow, yeah. that would have looked real smart right now, wouldn't it have? Like, yeah. I just am dying when I think back to all of the woulda, coulda, shoulda that yeah. the Cubs have, have done over the last few years. Let's talk about the things that they're doing right now, though. Cody Bellinger is yeah. a little bit of a reclamation project. And, and look, I have a big piece about this um, up at Bleed Cubby Blue right now. You should definitely check it out. Um, it talks through like the high, the upside of Cody Bellinger, the defense of Cody Bellinger, why the Cubs made this deal. I am very skeptical that the Cubs can fix a swing that the Dodgers could not fix, but sure, give it a oh, go. $17.5 yeah. million. Dollars, like, take a chance. Yeah, you don't think our 14 batting coaches every year have a co- coherent, consistent like way of fixing people? I mean, it's just like, obviously, it's the spinal tab drummer of of positions, like the Cubs uh, hitting coach scenario, and I hope I hope Kelly's good. It's it's uh, it, The new one is, is it Dustin? Dustin Kelly. Kelly. I, I, believe, yeah. yes. uh, I hope it's great. I hope it's I hope it's great. But I mean, I have no reason to believe that we can fix a guy uh, that, you know, that the Dodgers couldn't fix. And it is funny that Hayward's over there now, because watching that, sw- I mean, is there a better like control group swap to be like, OK, <laughs> you take Hayward, we'll take Bellinger and assigning, by the way, I'm fine with that flyer on Cody Bellinger and center. I'm fine with it. That just can't be your offensive addition. You know, well, let's talk about the Hayward thing for a second, because I actually I was in a conversation about this last night. What do you, what are the chances Jason Hayward is a better offensive player for the Dodgers next year than Cody Bellinger is an offensive player for the Cubs? I actually put those chances relatively high, like 25%, 30%. I was Cody Bellinger say, and yeah. Jason Hayward are like fairly equivalent bats right now. And one of them is going to a team that is good at offense. And one of them is going to a team that is bad at yeah. offense. And I feel like the only thing standing in the way of Jason Hayward putting up better offensive numbers than Cody Bellinger is whether or not he will get playing time on the MLB squad. Yeah, right. And he, I mean, it's probably a situation where, if anything, Hayward's ending up sort of like a, an occasional platoon guy over there or something, and he, his numbers might end up looking, I don't know, maybe he'll approach like league average or something. But, uh, but I think it's like... I because, of course, I remember it like Cody Bellinger's offensive ceiling. What exists in there is higher than Hayward ever had. Okay, great. Uh, And he's younger. Okay, cool. Also, but like it's hard to 
<laughs> make people who didn't watch the Dodgers all the time understand like how bad he has been. I mean, two years ago, the WRC plus on this fella was 47, which is 53% worse than league average. That's I don't know if Hayward was ever that bad for a year over here. I don't think he was. I think he had something in the 60s once, but uh, it's it, it was truly hopeless. And it did come back a little last year into like the 80 something range, I think. And uh, yeah, I I. I, I'm fine with it. It makes a lot of sense. Get a left-handed bat and a very right-handed lineup. The good defense in the center is very cool. P- uh, potentially can also play some first base. But uh, yeah, it's 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 sort of a very hoary signing over the last few years in that it's like, well, if everything breaks right, it's okay, you know? So because the Cubs will continue to pay the $22 million that they owe Jason Hayward next year for him to get a tryout with the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. I find it incredibly amusing and heartbreaking. The Cubs are paying $39.5 million for (laughs) Jason Hayward and Cody Bellinger, who are both totally broken offensively right now, but they mm-hmm. for the 2023 season that they just could not bring themselves to sign Bryce Harper. Like, just kill me now. Oh, yeah. That's a very, I was going to say, that's it, the annual average value that Judge just signed for, basically, uh, between those two. So it's, yeah, it, it, that sucks, dude. <laughs> it's like, great, great that job. Sucks, yeah. Good job. That team. sucks, dude. Is yeah, I'm just saying that too much. I feel like looking at at this group. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we get to save the league minimum uh, salary that the Dodgers do have to pay him off the top. So get those friggin' uh, seven hundred grand or whatever it is in the. Hey man, uh, the you can't offer. you can't even build a cup snake for seven hundred grand at Wrigley Field. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, yes. You know, let's close this out with a discussion of the literal baseball. My uh, friend of the show, Dr. Meredith Wills, the astrophysicist who keeps cutting up baseballs and proving that MLB is lying to us every time they say that the ball is totally the same and has not changed at all. Uh, has your, a- show has, your show has more friends of the show that are astrophysicists than we do, uh, <laughs> I, I, would, I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, she, she is great. She's brilliant. Um, and she has a new piece out in conjunction with Bradford Williams Davis over at Insider. And you should definitely check this out. It is a banger. Um, the 2022 baseball, there were definitely two of them. There was probably a third one. They basically demonstrated that there was like the old ball, the dead ball, and then a, what they call a Goldilocks ball that was a little yeah. bit lighter than either of the other two. But the interesting thing about the Goldilocks ball is not that it existed. The interesting thing about it is where it was used because those baseballs were balls that had they were used in like three places. They had commemorative like logos on them that said, um, you know, like, I don't know, the Field of Dreams game or like the Texas Rangers 50 year and a whatever thing like right. th- those commemorative logos. They were used in the postseason and they were used at Yankees games in August really? and September. <laughs> OK, I mean, that it's one of those things where like, don't make it so easy for conspiracy theorists. Like, don't do <laughs> like. Don't let them write your script for you. Like, don't put as a as a New Yorker now from Chicago originally, but I've lived in New York for almost two decades now. Like, don't put this on us. Don't bring that out here. Like, everyone thinks New York gets all the stuff. Don't 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 do that. Uh, that is very interesting, and it just like I mean that is that tracks with such like Manfred incompetence to me to be like, let's do weird stuff in the playoffs specifically. Well, and I mean, the Yankees thing, the Aaron Judge home run chase is the obvious like elephant in the room here. And and it's not just Aaron Judge. Like there were other Yankees who had resurgent home run years that like Anthony Rizzo hit 32 home runs this year. That is like old school 2019 Anthony Rizzo. How much of that is the Yankees getting this special set of baseballs over the course of 
the last few months of the season. We'll never know. The other thing that was really interesting in here, actually, there's two things that are interesting. One that is explicitly in the piece and one thing that I want us to just kind of rip on a little bit. Explicitly in the piece is the idea that there was apparently an edict that went out from the front offices of Major League Baseball that people who were getting baseball stock to Dr. Wills were at risk of losing their jobs. Now, MLB yeah. disputes this, but the idea that people would know who had she had gotten baseballs from before would no longer get those baseballs to her because it was apparently going to potentially cost them their jobs is just such bully behavior and such Rob Manfred behavior that one, I believe it. Uh, this was also yeah. in the Sports Illustrated piece she did with Steph Epstein a couple of years ago. But two, how thin-skinned are these people that they will not allow the baseball to be evaluated by an independent researcher? They will—they only want the baseball evaluated by their two labs with the two mm -hmm. universities that they have contracts with. That is incredibly suspect to me. It, there's just nothing about what the actual baseball should be that should ever need to be a secret. Like, it's just, there, there's, I mean, why would it? it, it um, like, unless something is bizarre and nefarious, it's like, you can say, like, oh, we're trying to work with the ball to get it to the most premium performing, you know, entertainment product on the field, whatever. But, like, as soon as you start hiding it, now I know you're bad. Like what I, I don't know. Like it's it's written threatening people's jobs about like letting the baseball transparently get out there. By the way, guys, I don't know if y'all been to baseball games, uh, MLB executives, but like the balls just go, they go, they go out to the fans sometimes. We're getting them. Like they're they're not you can't keep them secret. Like they go to the public in a in a very direct way. So it's just like it's terrible. It, it's it's the cover-up is as bizarre as it is inexcusable, I think. Well, yeah, the cover-up actually, like, gives credence to the conspiracy theory, right? Like, Absolutely. everybody, we have been yeah. having conversations about the literal baseball since 2015 with all the weird home run spikes and then the strangeness yeah. and whatnot. And astute researchers like Dr. Wills, like Rob Arthur over Baseball Perspectives, people who have the data and the, and the know-how to look at this stuff just keep proving that every time MLB says, no, no, there's nothing to see here. There is definitely, in fact, something to see here. Yeah. And... Just own it and and stop messing around with the baseball. Okay, the last part of this that I want I want us to end on here. You know, MLB has all these partnerships with gambling organizations and whatnot. Now, like I see a Caesar Sportsbook uh, advertisement at the White Sox park with zero hint of irony. There's like, ah, yeah, you have the Black Sox scandal and a deal with Caesar Sportsbook. Come right. to White Sox games. Mm -hmm. How can you have partnerships with gambling if the league is manipulating a piece of equipment? in ways that impact prop bets. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, yeah, like, obviously, home run prop bets over-unders in general, like, are are affected by that. Yeah, the answer is just, like, there's no, I mean, there's no, uh, <laughs> the answer is the question, kind of. It's like, there there is no way that you can trust any element of that, right? And as you say, like, the putting it in, Putting it in the uh, the White Sox park specifically. Also, Pete Rose. I am not a Pete Rose enjoyer, but the fact that like he is uh, out, kept out of the Hall of Fame for gambling, while the league profits off of gambling. I understand it's like different, and he gambled on his own team and stuff. But uh, it's it's a bad look. It's inconsistent, you know. And like, and I'm someone who does gamble. I'm also someone who's owed thirty damn dollars by DraftKings, who still has not paid us for doing ads on our show. Those absolute uh, thieves. So I, you know. Like I, I do gamble. I use these services, but yeah, it's uh, it's wildly inconsistent in a way that is only consistent with baseball under Rob Manfred, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I just 
this all smells incredibly fishy to me. I'm very curious to see the follow-up research here because it seems clear from the threats of people getting fired, et cetera, that Dr. Wills's stock was not, it was not like a, it was not a good sample of all of the it wasn't ballparks. As big there, as before, yeah, right? there are yeah. there are some parks that probably are excluded here. She, the piece says nothing, for example, about whether what was going on with the baseball in St. Louis. Albert Pujols hit a shocking number of home runs <laughs> sure to get did. to 700 towards yeah. the end of the year. Paul Goldschmidt had a resurgent uh, season on the way to oh, an MVP true. at the age of 35. Like I am dying to know Him if and she Arenado, had right? any like, baseballs I- from St. Louis. Yeah, Goldschmidt and Arenado. I mean, the Cardinals offense was just like. Like off the charts last year. I wonder what was wonder going Wilson, on. Yeah, I wonder why Wilson wants to run over there, right? In like St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, he said, uh, at, like, he, the thing he was saying today uh, it came out, like, that he first time he thought about being a Cardinal was watching Pujols' 695th home run, which, by the way, I checked the date. It was on September 4th. This is after the trade deadline and also after the team made it very clear he'd never be here anymore. So you, why wouldn't you daydream about a place to be? But, yeah, when you're watching a 100-year-old man hit tanks over there, you're like, let me get some of that ball. That sounds great. I understand that. Well, if we find out that the Cardinals uh, were also getting some of the Goldilocks balls that were in Yankee Stadium and the postseason over the course of the 2022 season, you know you will hear about it here at Cup of Cubby Blue. But uh, we're very grateful to Kevin for making some time to join us today to talk through what's been going on at winter meetings and to talk through what's been going on with the Cubs. Kevin has a great podcast of his own called the Away Games Pod, and you should definitely check that out. Kevin, where can people find you, your podcast, and your work? So they can find me at Kevin McCaff on all the social medias, on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all those things. I'm a stand-up comic is the is my job. I'm currently talking to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma, sick brag. I'm there uh, through the through the weekend. But I'm traveling around doing shows all the time there. I got videos up at Kevin McCaff everywhere. And the podcast I do, the baseball podcast, is with another comedian named uh, Adam Mamawala. It's a Cubs podcast, a little baseball in general. And that's just at Away Games Pod on, uh, on Twitter, Instagram. And yeah, and we're, we're doing weekly Cubs episodes there until uh, they make me quit for being sad. Still, still being talked about, but the but the podcast exists uh, currently. And if you want to listen, if you want to hear me on other completely unrelated podcasts, I have two. One with a uh, two with a very funny uh, comedy writer named John Daly. We watched all of Sex in the City for the first time, and uh, it's called Sex in the City. It's if you want to hear two straight married dudes talking about Sex in the City, and then we uh, that went well. So we have a spinoff called The Bridgerton Bros. So check me out anywhere. I have not watched Bridgerton yet. I have watched Sex in the City, and I'm I'm actually very intrigued by both of these ideas. But <laughs> it's very fun. We had a great time. We completed we completed the set. We're waiting for him just like that to come back. It's a it's 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 a good time. Awesome. Well, I will be listening to Kevin on uh, both of those shows, and I do listen to Away Games Pod, which is a very, very good podcast with two funny guys who know a lot about the Cubs. Uh, you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find this podcast at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. Danny will be back uh, probably the next episode to tell us all of his takes about Jed Hoyer, the winter meetings, his absolute inability to spend money on big free agents and what we're looking forward to or not from the 2023 Chicago Cubs. Until next time.